Good morning, world. Welcome to another episode of MMA Minded. If you are a new or returning listener, I truly hope you enjoy this episode. If you're interested in more combat sports, news, analysis, predictions, and discussions like this, stay tuned because it's only going to get bigger and better from here. So this episode needs no introduction. If you clicked on the title, you know exactly what you're going to get. I Apologies in advance. I'm pretty sure as I'm recording this, the, the early prelims have begun. But I had a, a big party today. Bunch of um, bunch of family friends. It was a really good time. Beautiful, beautiful, honestly perfect weather where I'm at in Europe. It was a great time. So I wasn't able to record. And plus we had our dog put away. Uh, he kept barking. I didn't want to record a podcast with an animal in the background. I had that my my uh, second episode ever in it. If you ever want to go back and and laugh, there, my guest, he's a good friend of mine, Eric. He had like a bird tweeting in the background the entire time. It was pretty bad. But anyway, this episode needs no introduction. Obviously, I'm going to be discussing and doing a prediction for all five fights on the main card in T-Mobile Arena. Full fan attendance, UFC 264. So, right off the bat, we have a bantamweight fight between Sean O'Malley and some Uber driver. Some some low-budget joker. Some absolute buffoon. In all seriousness, no, I'm, I'm, though I'm glad that this guy got his shot in the UFC, I hope they don't cut him after this because he clearly earned his spot. And no man or woman deserves to be slept on. If they step into the octagon, no matter what promotion they're in, if they step into the octagon, allow themselves to get locked in a cage, almost naked. I've said it many times before. You've earned my respect. My least favorite fighters in the world. I can't, I, every time I have this problem where I'm thinking about who's my least favorite fighter. And then I can never think of him when I, when I'm called on it, when someone asks me. And then later on, I, I'm, I'm like, thinking about it. I'm like, oh, that's actually probably my least favorite fighter. My least favorite fighter I have massive respect for. No matter how many wins, losses, how many times they've been knocked out, I have massive respect for you. But, and I'm also a really big Sean O'Malley fan, but I I would like to see Sean O'Malley get tested. You can argue that he was tested when he fought Thomas, Thomas Almeida because Thomas Almeida, I mean, he's long past his prime and he's not the fighter he used to be, but he was he was in the top, the upper echelon of the bantamweight division. There were some dangerous guys there, and he was undefeated at one point. And then I'm pretty sure Cody Garbrandt was the one who, who, ended his undefeated streak, and then knocked him out. And then every loss that he's taken, I think, has been by knockout. But I'm I want to see Sean O'Malley get tested. I want to see him fight a ranked fighter. I wanted to see him fight a ranked fighter this time. He didn't. It's not a big deal. He was going to fight. I forget who he was going to fight before, but let me check this out real quick. I should totally remember. Um, I would like to see him rematch Cheeto Vera so he can prove that he's a much better fighter than Cheeto Vera because he is. Anybody who denies that is is lying to themselves, but where where can I find who? I don't remember who he was going to fight, but the guy wasn't ranked either. The other dude was not ranked, so... I'm a little bit frustrated, but I totally understand from the UFC standpoint. You don't want to rush. You don't want to rush dudes in. It's happened to many fighters. The most recent ones I can think of, uh, as far as guys with potential stardom, and also the guy still does have 
he, he's still he's one day going to be champion, whether it's a middleweight division or if he goes back down to welterweight or whatever. But Darren Till's a good example. Darren Till started beating some some solid guys, a couple gatekeepers, but he was proving to be a very very popular fighter, especially out of England. Um, they have they have some dedicated fans, whatever you want to say about them. They have some dedicated fans. He got rushed into that title fight with Darren Till. I mean, uh, with Tyron Woodley, and we all saw how that went. It wasn't it wasn't great. And, I mean, it happens, though. It's just the UFC wants to... They've seen how popular Sean O'Malley is. He's a really popular guy. He's a likable guy. Um, you know, he's got his antics, but he's he's a solid fighter. He, he really is. I think that he can, with some grooming, and, you know, it depends on how he does on the ground, but he looks like a really smart, high IQ guy, knows how to use his reach. Like, every knockout that he's had in the UFC has been him utilizing his reach in a very smart way. It's not something that is easily taught overnight. Sean O'Malley has some serious skills. He has some good kicks. And the only problem is he gets injured a lot. So people can take advantage of that. If he if he slacks, you know, he could totally... He's probably already shortened, you know, to years off of his career. But we'll see what happens. I'm predicting a Sean O'Malley knockout. I mean, I, I don't see... How this dude, let's check out the, the statistics real quick. So Sean O'Malley has um, about a 10 centimeter reach difference. And I don't know the equivalence of that in freedom measurements, but let me look it up real quick. 182 centimeters in feet and inches. So that's five foot nine. Um, the other guy, yeah. So, th I mean, <laughs> the dude... The dude has this pretty significant reach advantage, and you're already you're already playing with fire there, because Sean O'Malley is good at moving on his feet. He's got a solid chin. We've never seen him get rocked before. Like I said, he hasn't really fought any ranked guys yet. But I don't think this guy Chris Matunho. I don't think he's gonna come in and beat Sean O'Malley. I really I give him almost no chance. Sean O'Malley has too much hype. Like I said, he's too skilled even in his young age. I don't think Chris is going to do it. But the best case scenario for Chris is to come in and not get obliterated in the first five seconds. And if he's if he's able to just, you know, cause his stock to raise, to rise just a little bit, just enough to not get cut by the UFC, you know, he can go back to square run, square one, start, you know, utilizing whatever skills he feels he has, get back to camp, start training again, and then, you know, go from there. I'm not saying the dude's going to be champion, but... I'm happy you got the opportunity. I'm always happy to see newcomers in the UFC. Young blood never is a bad thing for the UFC, except for, I mean, Ben Askren. I, I love Ben Askren, but like that, that didn't turn out too well. Anyway, I'm predicting Sean O'Malley is going to win by knockout, probably in the second round. In the first round, he's he's probably gonna piece piece up Chris a lot, weaken that chin, weaken the foundation, and then just come in in the second round. We're gonna see another spectacular knockout by Sean O'Malley. So moving on up, we have a fight that should not be on the main card. There are a couple absolute bangers. There are three fights. Actually, every fight on the prelims could have been on the main card over this fight. But, I mean, if you ask anybody, anybody who knows anything about the UFC, oh, would you rather watch Carlos Condit and Max Griffin or Nico Price and Michael Pereira? God, that's such that's such a good fight. Ryan Hall and Ilya Topuria. I would watch any of the prelims fights over this fight. 
but whatever. It's you know we can't complain. We got we got Conor McGregor fighting in a trilogy match on the same card as Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. So we can't complain too much. But we have a women's bantamweight bout between Irene Aldana and Yana Kunitskaya. I hope I said that right. Pretty sure I said it right. So these are two two gals that fight, unfortunately, in the bantamweight division. So you know they're never going to be champion as long as Amanda Nunes is fighting. They both have, I want to say they both have losses to Holly Holm. They both have losses to Raquel Pennington, I'm pretty sure. So, I mean, they've, they've lost to the best girls. Caitlin Chikugian, It's I'm not going to say she's, she is one of the best girls in the, in the women's bantamweight division. Um, but yeah, it's Amanda Nunes. Amanda Nunes is there. It's like, there's a lot of guys that are in, that could possibly be really, that there are, there are right now. When, when Khabib was champion, there were a lot of guys in the lightweight division that are super, super talented. And you could absolutely see as champion, they could all beat each other. Everyone in the top five could beat each other. They all had trilogies. It'd be really close. But then there's Khabib. So, and no one, if you ask anybody, no one is, is you know, content with being second place. Ask the Buffalo Bills that lost four Super Bowls in a row. They're not cool with that. And it's the same, the same goes with UFC fighters. But these two girls, they've been, you know, they've been, they've been fighting for a while. Their age is 30, 33 and 32, I think. Um, like I said, they've lost to either former champions or girls that are right at the top of their division. And their fights are just, you know, they don't play it safe. I'm not going to say they play it safe, but definitely with Yana or Yana, she throws a lot of volume. And she doesn't really wrestle much. She prefers not to wrestle. And then with Irene, Irene has a couple knockouts, one or two, I believe. And then I don't think she's been finished in the UFC, actually. So she's she's a tough chick. Um, it's been said before, and it's I don't know how much scientific weight there is behind it, but Mexicans got chins. It's I mean Nate Diaz has been dropped a million times, but he's been he's. It's the recovery that matters. You can get dropped as many times as you want, but it's all about the recovery. Up until Kormaro Usman knocked out Corey Masvidal, he's not Mexican, he's Cuban, but we'd seen him get dropped before. But he's so athletic, he was able to recover really quick. And like against Darren Till, he was able to come back and knock him out in devastating fashion. But Yana, or Yana has never finished anybody in the UFC. And Irene has only finished a couple people in the UFC. Irene is also, she's never shot for a takedown. So she clearly, and she has really good takedown defense. She stuffed like 12 takedowns against Caitlin Chikagian. So this fight's definitely going to be standing up. It's just these gals don't really throw power, especially Yana. Yana's not going to be looking to take someone's head off. She's going to be looking to land shots, put pressure, push the, push the pace, push forward, back up her opponent, and then occasionally... She'll um, she'll she'll get into the clinch, but she's not a wrestler either. And even if she does shoot for a takedown, Irina's really good takedown defense. She doesn't like to be on the ground. I don't see this fight ending in a finish. I really don't. I I just think that when it comes to pace and a stand up battle over time, just I just think Yana has the she has the advantage. 
then also Irene had a tough weight cut. She talked about, she opened up about being on her menstrual cycle and how, how that really, she believes that really messed with her weight cut. And I feel bad for her because that it's not easy cutting weight. It's not fun and it's not safe. It's horrible. It's a horrible thing. Yeah, they signed the contract. I'm not pretending like they deserve all the pity in the world, but that shit is not fun. It's not easy. And she has my sympathy for sure. And it's, I've never had a period. I'm a man. I can only imagine how tough that must have been to be training, cutting weight, dehydrating yourself while you're going through your cramps, you know, while you're bleeding, all that stuff. So she has extra respect for me, but I just, I just don't think she's going to be, she, so she missed weight by three pounds. I just don't think she's going to be coming in her best shape. I really don't. And it's unfortunate, but I just think you know, the threat of knockdown, of a knockout, is slightly there when it comes to Irene. But I just think Yana's going to push the pressure. She's going to throw a lot of shots. And she's going to coast to a to a decision victory. Moving on up, we got three fights that... There's no way these fights can be... Ooh. There's no way... I I, I firmly believe, I'm confident, that these three fights cannot be bad. It's impossible for them to be bad. So starting off with the heavyweight fight, we have Tai Tuivasa fighting Greg Hardy. I don't know anybody who's rooting for Greg Hardy, in all honesty. Everyone lives, loves Tai Tuivasa. The guy is, he's, he seems like a super sweetheart. Um, he's, he's got some serious knockout power. We saw him at UFC 254. He knocked out Stefan Struve and ended, the, ended Stefan Struve's UFC tenure. He's been submitted before. He's lost by decision, but the threat of the knockout is always there. He got knocked out by JDS, which was like a really weird, was a really weird, uh, you know, turn of events. I did not expect that at all because JDS has looked like utter garbage for the past couple of years, and he he definitely deserved to get cut by the UFC. And I'm not trying to be harsh, but the dude's time has passed. But Taito Ivasa, you know, he's got some serious power. He loads up on his shots, but when he lands, he can put. He can, and he has put almost everybody down that he's connected clean shots on. And then Greg Hardy, on the other hand, Greg Hardy, he, you know, he put together a a couple win streaks. Um, in yeah, so he he came in. He was really popular because he came from the NFL. He fought five times in 2019. He it, he had a weird turn of events. I'll say that in a nice way, but. You know, he knocked out a couple guys, a couple guys, uh, one of them's not in the UFC anymore, Juan Adams is not in the UFC, um, you know, there were draws, he had a disqualification, he had that weird thing with the uh, with the inhaler, every time the dude has fought, any, any, anybody with actual experience in the octagon, anybody that's not a no-name UFC fighter that's already been cut from the UFC, he's, he's lost, that's, it's just, that's how it is. When he fought Alexander Volkov, he lost to decision. Alexander Volkov utilized his reach and he utilized his experience. And he was able to beat Greg Hardy. And then when Greg Hardy fought Marcin Tybura, we learned that he has absolutely no ground game. He It looked like he has never been on the ground before in his entire life. And yeah, you can't, you can't be like that in UFC. If you're one-dimensional, you could have been one-dimensional back when the UFC first started. Not as an insult, but the whole point of the UFC when it began was 
mixed martial arts on TV. People have always wondered what happens when a sumo guy fights a karate guy, what happens when taekwondo meets Muay Thai, all that kind of stuff. We always wanted to, that was the point of the UFC. So these guys, like Hoist Gracie, one of the pioneers, one of the greatest of all time. If you ask my dad, my dad said he is the GOAT. They had their one discipline, and they were really, really good at it. You can't do that nowadays. You can't, we saw it with Damian Maya. Damian Maya is one of the best jujitsu practitioners that this world, that this planet has ever seen, and that we'll ever see. And that didn't do shit for him in his last fight. He is getting old, yeah, but we saw him get knocked out um, by Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns is really great um, jujitsu also. He's like Damian Maya, except he's so much quicker and more youthful. And he just had he had the explosiveness factor on his side with being a little younger. He's actually pretty old. I think he's like 34 or 35. Like he's coming probably towards the, the end of his... You know, a title trial with Kamaru Usman is probably the last time he's ever going to witness gold and have the chance of getting it. But anyway, Damian Maya got knocked out. Because when the fight was on the ground with Gilbert Burns, he couldn't do anything. And then with Bilal Muhammad, I think he landed one small takedown or he didn't land any takedowns at all. And he was completely rendered useless. You can't, especially in the heavyweight division, when everybody has power, you can't be like Greg Hardy coming in. Yeah, you're an athlete. You have that on your side. You have the size. You can't just come in pretending like you're going to knock everybody out. you got to have a better game plan than that. So, you know, all the all the extra BS aside, because you guys know me. When I make UFC analysis, I'm judging them off of their fight. Like, if there have been instances in the past where I brought in outside stuff to judge and, like, that, that could affect the outcome that I come to or the uh, the prediction I come to, you know, I, I apologize for that. But I don't think I've ever done that. Definitely not intentionally. I try to leave, you know, just just UFC athlete facts. And I try to use that and film and fact other, other different factors and stuff like that. I use that to factor in my decision and my prediction. So I'm not going to bring up Greg Hardy's personal issues. I know a lot of people do, but it's not my business. He's not a role model. There are not a lot of people in the UFC that are role models. I'm not looking up to him for advice on how to treat women. That's for damn sure. But, you know, I could look up to him to learn how to be a defensive lineman if I wanted to. You got to separate. I'm not telling people how to live their lives. You can hate him or love him or not give a shit about him. I don't, I don't really care. But for me, when it comes to any kind of, you know, if it's the UFC, if it's boxing, football, I don't watch soccer, but basketball actors, people who make music. I'm a fan of them because of that. I'm a fan of a rapper because he raps. He makes music I like. I'm a fan of Tai Tuivasa because he is an athlete. Greg Hardy's personal problems outside of the UFC are not factoring in why I think he's going to get beat by Tai Tuivasa. Tai Tuivasa is going to beat Greg Hardy. I think he's going to land some shots that rattle Greg Hardy and... Due to his athleticism, he's going to be able to withstand them. But towards the second round, the end of the second round, maybe the third round, if Tai Tuivasa doesn't gas himself out, which Greg Hardy definitely will, Tai Tuivasa is just going to beat him. He's going to beat him to a pulp, and he's going to knock out Greg Hardy. That's my prediction. Tai Tuivasa, knockout, third round.
So moving on to the co-main event, we have a possible title eliminator between Gilbert Burns, who just his last fight got knocked out by Kamaru Usman, current champion, of course. And then we have Wonderboy. Wonderboy hasn't fought for the title since the two losses against Tyron Woodley. A lot of people feel like he won the the one the first fight that was a draw, but you know, rewatching the fight using the the ranking criteria or the sco- scoring criteria. Sorry, I got some serious heartburn today because I've been eating. That's why. Using the scoring criteria, I I'm okay with the Tyron Woodley title defense, successful title defense, but. Last time we saw Steven, we saw Wonderboy fight, I think it was Jeff Neal, and he just showed that even in his age, 38 years old, he still is one of the most creative, one of the highest IQ, and best strikers in the UFC. And Gilbert Burns, on the other hand, Gilbert Burns has had some up and down in his career, but before he got knocked out by Kamar Usman, he put together a really impressive welterweight streak, and I want to say, let me look real quick before I say it, but I'm pretty sure... Since his move up to welterweight, he has not lost a fight. So he moved up to welterweight after he got knocked out by Dan Hooker. And then he beat Olivier Aubin-Mercier. Yeah, he, he did not lose a fight. He had not lost a fight in his move up to welterweight since he lost to Kamaru Usman. And losing to the champion, like I've said before, is not a horrible thing. Because a lot of guys can re- recoup them, recuperate and then come back and even beat that champion in a rematch. But Gilbert Burns is a real he's a small welterweight in my opinion. The dude the dude is really ripped, but he's small. And Wonderboy is already a really big and long welterweight. And like I said, like I was talking about in the past, especially with his kicks, the guy knows how to how to utilize his reach advantage, which he has almost over everybody. I don't I don't can't think of anybody he hasn't had a reach advantage over. And he also he has that karate blitz style where he if you watch him he does that his hands are down and he moves from side to side and when he sees he creates openings with feints and then he comes in, throws three or four shots, gets back out. He does the same thing, but he throws different shots and he throws he throws different types of uh punches and different types of kicks and he can knock you out and he can hurt you with any of them. We saw Wonderboy at 37 or 36 years old knock down Vicente Luque. And Vicente Luque is one of the toughest fighters in the UFC, definitely in the welterweight division. He Wonderboy even broke his, his hand or both of his hands on the dude's jaw because he's that fucking tough. And we saw Gilbert Burns' inability to adjust to jabs. And to longer strikes, which is which is a really really great champion esque adjustment that Kamar Usman made, and he gets all the credit in the world for me for that. The dude, the dude got he probably was getting sick and tired of people calling him boring for his his win over Tyron Woodley, and he's just knocking fools out that that usually don't get knocked out. Colby Covington does not get knocked out. Jorge Masvidal does not get knocked out, and he comes and does it. When he's a wrestler, it, th- that guy is so dangerous. He's so dangerous. I don't think people understand how dangerous he is. It's the same with Khabib. When you have such a strong wrestling base that you know and your opponents know, I'm not going to outgrapple this guy. 
And then you hire like like uh, Khabib when he hired Javier Mendez, one of the best striking coaches in the UFC. He didn't make him a boxer, but he made it to where he was able to mix in and have good enough striking to not get knocked out, not get pieced up on the feet, and then create feints and openings that allow him to do what he does best, which is maul people and and completely out-wrestle them and control the fights. And it's the same with Kamaru Usman, except... Kamar Usman does it with complete brute strength and damn near endless cardio. And that dude has been learning how to strike and it's scary. He's shown, you know, he makes mistakes and I'm not disrespecting him at all, but he seems like the kind of guy just because he's been really learning these new striking techniques and strategies and stuff and angles and stuff like that. He's learning it late, late like really late um, as far as his adult life goes and definitely as far as his mixed martial arts career goes. And when you hurt a guy like that who's just started doing new things, you see them abandon their fundamentals that they've been learning in in camp or whatever really quick. So if someone like Wonder Boy is to fight him and he hurts him, he could totally abandon everything, start to go haywire, maybe start to spam the wrestling, and then it could go bad for him. I don't think I see that happening anytime soon. I'll talk about that maybe later. But that all being said, Gilbert Burns has shown when he fought Dan Hooker and he got knocked out by him. And then when he fought Kamar Usman, guys that can utilize their their reach and they're able to strike, they're, that's, that's the key to beat Gilbert Burns. I'm not saying it's obviously easier said than done because the dude has only lost once in the welterweight division. But... Wonderboy is one of the best strikers, like I said, of all time. Even right now, he's still one of the best strikers in the UFC. I got to give him top five for sure. Probably top four, maybe top three, but that's that could be a stretch. I'd have to really think about that and ponder on it more. But if Gilbert Burns is able to get a hold of Wonderboy and take him down and keep him down, the threat of the submission is absolutely, it's absolutely there. But I just don't see Gilbert able to close the distance and not get hit on his way in by Wonderboy. Wonderboy's too smart for that. He's too he's too experienced of a fighter. He seems really hungry and really set on getting that next title shot. I just think we're going to see the best Wonderboy we've seen in a long time. And yeah, I got mad respect for Gilbert Burns. I really do, especially seeing, you know, that bomb that he hit Kamaru Usman with. That made my heart jump. That was insane. I was not expecting that. I really wasn't. I knew he was I knew he probably had the advantage striking, but that was insane. It's just I think Wonderboy is just too hungry, even late in his career, thirty eight years old, and I think he's too experienced of a striker. His style is just gonna piece Gilbert up, and I think Wonderboy is going to win. Hmm, man, this is a hard one. I was really leaning heavily towards knockout. Yeah. I still think Wonderboy is gonna is gonna win by knockout. This is the third knockout that I'm that I'm predicting on this card, and it's not the last one either. But Wonderboy is gonna win by knockout. I believe he's gonna win in the second round against Gilbert Burns. All right, guys, it's here. I'm sure you know, but I'm going to try my absolute best to discuss and analyze and predict this main event between Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. With no bias, I'm going to try to be as unbiased as I possibly can. But you guys know me. I'm the biggest Conor McGregor fan out there. I will defend him till the day I die, till the day he dies, whatever. 
And it sucks because I saw this meme and it was totally true. There are no haters of Dustin Poirier. They're just people that like Conor McGregor more. And that's the case with me. And I made a tweet about it earlier that absolutely nobody saw because I have no followers on Twitter and I don't give a shit. Regardless as if regardless if Dustin Poirier wins or loses tonight, Dustin Poirier will be Charles Oliveira if they fight. Absolutely. I I'm not only going to root for him if he fights Charles Oliveira, but I'm I'm fully confident that Dustin Poirier would beat him. And it's no knock to Charles Oliveira. But Dustin Poirier would beat him, absolutely. And if he beats Connor, I see him being becoming lightweight champion. Hands down. But that's besides the point. So the last time out, we saw them fight. You know, it's been said so many times. People are getting annoyed. I'm even getting annoyed with it. But, you know, and I'm not taking anything away from Dustin, but there are factors that led to Connor not fighting the absolute best that he could. We all know it. He was going to fight Manny Pacquiao. He made a stupid, stupid, stupid mistake in looking over Dustin Poirier. If he was looking over someone like, no offense, Paul Felder, he could get away with it. But you can't get away with the, with overlooking, the quite possibly, arguably, the second best lightweight of all time. The third best lightweight of all time. You can't do that. No matter, it doesn't matter how confident you are in your boxing. We've known Conor McGregor is good boxing, but it's not... It's it's not just boxing alone that got him to where he got where he where he is now. And so coming in with that boxing heavy style with the leg kicks, getting his leg destroyed to where he was dead and then just Dustin Poirier's killer instinct. He's always had it. If you watch him when you when he hurts Eddie Alvarez in Eddie, in the rematch, when he hurts Max Holloway in their rematch, when he hurts Justin Gaethje the very beginning of the fourth or fifth round when Gaethje throws that leg kick and then leaves his chin open, Dustin hurts him, he swarms him, and he puts him away. That's one of the things that Dustin Poirier is best at. He has great boxing. He has really dangerous... He's He has an, like an equal amount of power in his left and right hands. And then it was really stupid of me. But I said going into the rematch, Dustin Poirier's had hip surgery. I don't think he's going to use his kicks a lot. And boy, was I wrong. Well, that being said, Conor McGregor seems hungry. Not that he wasn't hungry before, but he seemed nice. And it was weird. It was weird. I liked it, but I also like this trash talk too. I like seeing some... I like knowing that there will be bloodshed in the octagon. But Conor McGregor is not going to come in just boxing. He's not even talking about boxing. He's looking ahead at the UFC, which I which I hope he's not looking ahead um, past Dustin Poirier again. But... Conor McGregor has more ways to win than Dustin Poirier does. Dustin Poirier, in all of his fights, all of his most notable fights in the UFC that he's won, especially in the lightweight division, have been him showing that he has superior heart and superior drive and, for the most part, superior cardio. And that's what's carried him to where he's gotten. He's always shown that he can take some punches. He can take some damage. He can fight to the latter rounds and still carry his power. And that's what's always got him to victory. And then his boxing skills, of course. Pair that all together, you got a solid fighter. And he also has a little bit of jiu-jitsu skills on the ground. He submitted a couple people by Darce. But on Connor's side, Connor has knocked out 19 opponents, I believe. I believe of his 22 wins, he has 19 knockouts. 
He's been talking about he wants to get his 20th knockout. But Connor, with the exception of the last fight, he's had so many routes to victory. He's shown that he has the ability to chop at the leg and and you know destroy someone's base like he did against Nate Diaz too. We've seen him on multiple occasions use that stabbing front kick to hit the body, uh, to kind of lower the guard and to get people tired by hitting their solar plexus. He did it against Chad Mendez. And we've seen his counterpunching, of course, obviously. We've we've seen how good his takedown defense is against Khabib. We saw it against Eddie Alvarez. Um, Chad Mendez, he got taken down, but he was able to survive and get up. Him just throwing in spinning kicks and just any kind of kicks, taking angles and not trying to take people's head off, heads off with the, the earliest shots. Not saying the guy doesn't have power, but he knocked down Eddie Alvarez like three times because of his precision. And he said it before, He's he's been seen sharing that quote where precision beats power, timing beats speed. And it's absolutely true. And when we saw him in the first round against Dustin Poirier, he looked good. And in my opinion, he won that round. But he was throwing the super hard shots at Dustin Poirier. Dustin admitted, and you can actually see it. I'm pretty sure I found it when when Connor has that superb head movement, lands a lands a left, he lands that cross, and then he lands an uppercut. You can see Dustin's eyes go out for a split second, and then of course Dustin is a is a great athlete, so he's going to recover. And then also, once you know you've taken his Connor's best shots, and then you know that you're depleting his leg, you've even caught him on a couple counters, and you're starting to see his pattern in his very very you know one-dimensional boxing approach it it's just downhill for connor and up uh or it's yeah it's bad for connor from there on out and then it's good for dustin dustin is a veteran like i said he can smell blood and once he knows you're hurt or he knows something is cracking he's going to continue to beat at that and he's going to exploit that until he breaks you and you know there are a couple guys he wasn't able to do that to but for the most part, you know, we saw him do it against Connor, and Con- we've never seen Connor that hurt on the feet before. We've never seen him get knocked out or TKO'd or whatever that technically is. But that all being said, you know, I'm not making excuses for either guy. I'm not disrespecting either guy, but Connor has much more paths to victory. He's too smart, too driven of a fighter to come in and have the same exact approach. I remember hearing, I don't remember who who it was, but I heard that right when Connor walked backstage, when he got backstage after getting knocked out um, by Dustin in January of this year, he watched the fight. He was already making plans to adjust. He said he's made adjustments. What we're going to have to see in his actions, but I believe him. The dude has not been wrong in most of what he says when it comes to fighting. You can pretend like he has been, but he hasn't. He has the nickname Mystic Mac for a reason. I know he hasn't... I mean, he predicted the the Cowboy knockout, but then again, so did everybody else, probably even Cowboy himself. No disrespect to Cowboy. He's a legend, and I love the guy, for sure. And he's done a lot for the sport, whatever. But I I just believe, like I said a couple times earlier, Connor has more paths to victory than Dustin, and should he utilize them, I think he will successfully beat Dustin. If he mixes up his shots and also is wary of the, the the threat of the takedown, he absolutely can piece up Dustin. And I I, I do truly think that's what's going to happen. 
Another thing I'm not going to take credit for, Dan Hardy put it this way. So Dan Hardy was talking about how he, a lot of people are like, oh, Dustin or Connor is not the same fighter. He, you know, he made his money and now he's not as motivated. But Dan Hardy said it, put it brilliantly. He said, there's stake in Connor's money with his external businesses that are not even related to the UFC in this fight. Connor's brands, his his whiskey brand, his clothing brand, it's all rooted in him being champ champ, you know, being the face of the UFC, knocking fools out. And if he gets knocked out again, people are gonna be like, what the hell? This dude is this dude was champ champ five years ago, but he's not anymore. So yeah, if if Dustin or if Connor dang it, if Connor was able to look at it that way, and I'm sure he is. You know, it's even more motivation. If he truly does only care about money, you know, that's another, that's a, that's something, you know, this fight will affect his business sales for sure. It has to, but I'm confident. I'm also nervous, but I'm very confident that Connor is going to just, he's, he's too hungry. I, I'm not quite too sold on him, you know, completely scaring Dustin, but he's definitely bothering Dustin. And also both guys look like they had a rough weight cut. Man, weight cuts suck. They really do. They really do. But I'm confident in Connor. I think he's going to come in. And I think he's going to knock Dustin out. I think he's going to knock Dustin out in the first or second round. It's going to be early. But if the fight does go on, I can absolutely see it being a very, very close fight. That goes to decision for sure. But I just think Connor's going to make the adjustments. Dustin might will try to make the counter adjustments and he might be able to but I think Connor's just going to come in real quick he's going to overwhelm Dustin and he's going to knock Dustin out I'm confident in it I really am but then again I also was confident in Jorge Masvidal beating Kamar Usman so if you're gonna if you were like about to bet either way and you use this podcast I mean share some money with me or give me a tip or something send me some send me some XRP or or Bitcoin or Ethereum if you win a big paycheck but don't blame me if you get it wrong, but I am very confident. I really am. This is the most confident I've been probably ever in a prediction, and I'm really excited. Either way this fight goes, however this fight goes, both guys deserve the title shot. If Either guy, whoever wins, deserves the title shot for sure, and yeah, I think it's a different story. I'll totally talk about that title shot you know, in the, when it comes closer, maybe as a reaction episode, but yeah, that's my prediction. Conor McGregor's going to knock out Dustin Poirier in round one or two. So that's going to wrap up this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I hope you're able to listen to it before the fights. Maybe if you listen to it after the fights and you, you realize how I actually know what I'm talking about and how I'm awesome, and then maybe share with your friends, get them into the UFC That'd be great, but as always, stay safe, stay away from those crazies out there. Thank you.